Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to episode 61 of the Curtain Call Theatre podcast, the podcast that takes you backstage as close as you possibly can be to the people who make theatre happen. I'm Theo Bosenket, and before we get going, just a quick reminder that if you're a theatre professional working on stage or backstage or in production, make sure you log on to curtaincallonline.com to create your free profile and start networking with people from across the industry. Now for this week's podcast. The Camden People's Theatre has long been at the vanguard of London's fringe theatre scene, supporting early career artists and giving a platform to unconventional work. They're about to launch Come As You Are, a three-week festival interrogating and celebrating the hot topic of gender. I went along to meet artistic director Brian Logan, who is also The Guardian's comedy critic, and writer-director Lucy J. Skilbeck, whose new play Bullish, an innovative take on the Minotaur legend, is headlining the season. Have a listen. Welcome to the Camden People's Theatre, where I'm joined by uh, artistic director Brian Logan and Lucy J. Skilbeck, the acclaimed writer-director, to talk about Come As You Are, which is a festival of... Well, actually, I'm not going to introduce it. I think, Brian, you're probably better placed to give us an overview of the festival and mm-hmm. what it contains. Uh, well, it's, a f- it's uh, called Come As You Are, and it's a festival of trans, non-binary and gender queer work. And it, it, it's exploring... Um, how we currently think of and talk about gender, you know, and, it, and we're taking into account as we have that conversation that, that it, seemingly the conversation about gender and the kind of wider understanding of what gender might be is undergoing a quite dynamic transformation and has been over the last few years. And that's not me saying that gender has changed, but it is me saying that the conversation around gender has changed in a way that it felt like it would be really interesting to, to focus on through the lens of, of um, performance making. That's that's partly us identifying that there's already loads of really interesting performance work out there that's uh, addressing this stuff, you know, and it's partly thinking that, as we always do when we do our themed festivals, a, a conversation that is, uh, can sometimes seem disparate or, or, and an agenda that can certainly feel confusing for some people may, may benefit by the kind of focus that a three-week festival can bring. Headlining the festival is a show called Bullish, which is Lucy's your new show. Yes. Give us uh, an introduction 
to, to that and, and the kind of genesis of that, mm-hmm. of that production? Uh, well, I've been writing Bullish for about a year and a half now, and um, it's credit to CPT that they came and saw a scratch of the show, and they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll back you, we'll, we'll make this uh, with you. And uh, it's about the myth of the Minotaur. And when I very first started making the show, the Minotaur is part man, part bull. It's like not one thing, not the other. And although in some ways that's problematic when you think about gender, uh, for me at that time, I was like, yeah, this is super queer in mythology. It's here. You know, we're having all of these modern conversations about, oh, gender is this and non-binary is this. And, but actually, like, it's, it's all, you know, we've already been talking about these things for so long and I found the Minotaur and I was like, yeah, that is our hook into unpicking something that can be really confusing and also really exciting and um, the show is performed by a super queer cast who take their own uh, position as to what being a Minotaur is. Um, I guess the Minotaur is stuck in a labyrinth and again at the time I was thinking about that in terms of dysphoria and what that is and now a year on I'm like okay I'm, I'm over that <laughs> but um, you know in terms of what we say about gender and how we um, how we explore gender in those terms I think we're beyond thinking about dysphoria as a labyrinth or I am but that being said it's still a really useful hook for us to think about Transmasculine identity, non-binary identity, masculinity, um, through the premise of Greek mythology, and also just it, it's set um, over the course of one evening, and the performers are super fun and like you know we've got uh, live artists, drag kings, really great actors who make up the cast. So between us, hopefully in quite a light touch way, we can explore some of the conundrums and um, opportunities around this new feeling or this new wave of what gender could be or is. Your previous show, Joan, mm-hmm. focused on Joan of Arc. Yeah. Um, it, and so you were obviously looking to a historical figure mm-hmm. um, to speak to our current times. This, this time you've turned to mythology, yeah. obviously. Is there something important in that looking looking back mm. to look forward I think when you're on your own in either you know I'm from uh, York I do a lot of work in Derby or I live in London you're on your own you're moving through the world and you think it's just you <laughs> and then uh, maybe you go to a club or a community space and you realise actually there's lots of people exploring this and that's uh, really kind of affirming but then when you look back in history and you're, it's that thing of being like you know this is old <laughs> people have been thinking about this for ages it's only recently that we have been so set in terms of men are this and women are this and actually that's not the case there have been queer pioneers throughout modern history and also um, ancient history and it's in our stories and it's in our makeup and this very these very set ideals of what you know, I put in inverted commas here, uh, men are, or what women are, are flawed and are not in any way stable. Uh, we were quite fluid, I think, we kind of understand that the idea that gender is fluid and can change, but also biology is fluid and can change, and nothing is stable, and when you suddenly uh, 
encounter this idea that literally nothing is stable, then the whole world looks very different. I think we had a joke that you put on like your queer goggles and see the world in a different way, but I joke and then I actually really mean it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think that gender is in mythology and gender play is in mythology and it's all to be found and harvested and explored with a modern audience. Um, what was it about uh, Lucy's work, Brian, that, well, how did you first encounter it and uh, what was it that made you kind of want to make it the centrepiece of the festival? Uh, well, I think I probably first encountered it several years ago, when I, around the same time I was starting at CBT, which is about five years ago now, which will be when you did Bluebeard. So, yeah, we sort of started a dialogue then and. and we had the Real Man's Guide to Sainthood here. Yeah, that was the second one, yeah. So, yeah, quite, quite early on in CBT, I like, identified these guys as a company who looked like, you know, their work was like super spirited and really creative and like had a bunch of political principles attached to it, but that were worn quite lightly. Um, so, yeah, we've worked with them over a period of years. Uh, and then this uh, Bullish is the first recipient of a new commission that we've. Mm. Uh, created at CBT in collaboration with um, Jarwood Charitable Foundation, which is called the Home Run Commission. And that was created specifically to address what we perceive to be a gap in provision for artists, whereby it's not that difficult to get enough money, venue support, commissions together to, to get to work in progress stage. But then it's, it, it's much patchier and harder to then get a more substantial sum of money that can help you finish a production. So that, so, you know, that home run, as it were, between having 20 minutes and having a full hour. So we put together a commission that was a more substantial sum of money than we've ever paid out before, that while it still wouldn't pay to do that, would certainly look pretty impressive as match funding to help do that. And the, uh, so when we created this commission, we were looking for companies, specifically for companies who we felt were, uh, uh, oh, I should say the other part of the commission is that it kind of comes with a, an offer of a quite substantial run, like a three-week run. And we wanted to identify companies who hadn't necessarily had a three-run in London, you know, so who were at that point where they'd done a bit in London, had a decent profile, and were clearly ready to make that next step. And that's what we were trying to identify. Anyway, it was, you know, Milk Presents were like very obviously one of the companies that we were like, oh great, this would give us the chance to, to go on that journey with them. So, yeah, like Lucy said, it was to our credit that we gave them that support, but we also think, you know, like everyone is competing for the affections of Milk Presents at the moment, and we were super lucky to get in. You know, because loads of theatres would love to work with them, so we we likewise feel privileged that we're getting to getting to work with them on a super exciting project that that we think is like, you know, going to be a brilliant uh, means of exploring this thing that I think everyone in society is interested in right now and wants to have these conversations. You know, and to not only be able to do that, but to be able to do that in a way that is is just going to be really entertaining over and above the fascination of the conversation is something that we're excited about. I was going to say that like, even though some of these things can be quite heavy, we want to entertain, like mainly want to come and have a good time. <laughs> That's sort of the, um, why we made the show, like we want you to come and maybe leave with a seed and an idea, but ultimately like, we want to make a show that is fun and entertaining and being part of this festival can um, feed into that as well. I was going to say, is there a danger that things get slightly pigeonholed as mm -hmm, mm -hmm. an issue piece, well, whereas actually... It's, it's totally, it's, it's yeah. not that like it's a show about a Greek mythology, yeah, mythological character. I think it's interesting that because, you know, 
it's like, okay, I'm going to the theatre tonight. I'm going to see this show by this cis person. And um, it's a cis show. And actually, it's written by a cis person. And it's performed by this cast. And they're all cisgender. I'm really fascinated by it. And actually, like, hopefully, uh, what this festival does is be like, kind of move beyond that. And it's like, we're all artists. We're all making stuff. We happen to be either trans or non-binary or gender queer or gender non-conforming, but yep, great, got that out of the way. Now what do we think about this? What do we want to say? What do we want to make? And I think at the moment, you know, there's been quite a lot of shows in London um, and, and you know, that it's like, okay, we have an all-trans cast, whatever, but I think this festival is about... It's not just about the people on stage, it's about the creative teams, about artists who are making this work. Um, it's about a grassroots feeling of what do we think, what do we want to say. We see some work, some of it is really risky, some of it is really fine-tuned. We can have a beer, we can talk about it, and we can own it. Um, and it's not about having a very polished um, idea of what it means to be LGBTQ non-binary and gender non-conforming, it's about like, this is what we're thinking, we don't know what it is yet, mash all these ideas together, have a beer and work it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think, yeah. I'm interested as well in, in the process of Mill Presents, because I know mm. you devised the show. Talk, mm-hmm. talk us through that a little bit more. Yeah, so um, generally, yeah, I said I'm on like the fifth version of what this play is, um, and that where I've landed at now is that I'm writing to the people in the room. So I can write for them, I know how they work, I know how they tick, I know how they will deliver lines, I know their uh, personal vibe, you know, I can write to that now. Whereas when I first started out, I was just generating all this material, and then we'd devise around it, we'd mash it up with cabaret or drag, or we'd uh, improve scenes, I'd go away and write. I work quite closely with um, a dramaturg and an outside eye, my mentor for this project is Emma Franklin who's just been fantastic at being going like yes no what are you saying uh, you know really kind of interrogating what we're doing and then I'll go away and then I'll probably moan to my producer Ruby Claskin who runs Milk Presents with me and Adam Robertson and be like it just fundamentally doesn't work and I'll <laughs> then I'll go away and write some more and then we'll ring up Brian and come into the rehearsal room and you know it's quite collaborative and um industrious and occasionally fraught and often joyous and you know we'll work in a way where we warm up very much together we'll become a little family for a while you know we warm up we work hard we all make our work in derby so most of the show is made in derby theater we um where the company's based and where ruby lives who runs and represents with us and we move there and we live there and work there and become a really solid group of people um, kind of within the Milk family which which then I think permeates into the work so when you meet us and um, the show is there, the show is only a tiny um, like a, a, the tip of what is actually loads of research and loads of work and loads of um, kind of moulding together so we are tight and we're strong and we are really confident in what we know or what we confidently don't know <laughs> about what what uh, this big subject is. Yeah. We've kind of touched on the fact that um, uh, issues around gender are more in the mainstream now but on the flip side of that obviously politically things are 
I mean, you, you mentioned Trump briefly, but things are moving seemingly in the opposite direction at the same time. And there's this weird kind of um, divide between, I think, the social consciousness and the kind of political establishment. Um, yeah, Lucy, how do you respond to that um, situation and uh, the, the kind of wider political picture currently? It's, it's really hard because I want to be really positive because that is the way forward. I don't just want to paint this really negative picture. I want to be like, no, we can completely... Uh, we're in a really exciting time at the moment, so um, we can... We're in the best place to harness this energy and make change, and we are the people to do it, and we are the people to start these conversations and to have these conversations in London and outside of London and in all of these different towns and cities and indeed... Um, across the world and as artists we are the ones to do that uh, but then also I, I ran this um, panel with loads of uh, interesting artists and I asked them a question where, where do you want to be in five years you know where do you see us in five years and the resounding response of people at the table was uh, we want to be here <laughs> and I think there's those two things are quite hard to reconcile like as Politically, I'm like, yeah, this is happening. We're at the centre of this. There's a hurricane, and long may this hurricane continue. And then there's the other side of it, which is like, I got a load of hassle on the tube this morning. And so, in terms of politically, I think I just swing one side to the other uh, day by day and just sort of take it day by day. But in a hopeful message, I think that we're the people to do it and we'll continue to do it. Yeah. Oh, I've just come back down from the Edinburgh Fringe, and when you've asked that question, it's making me think of a couple of experiences I've had in the Edinburgh Fringe, which I think are sort of like an answer to that question, but I'm not sure I'll be able to connect them very clearly. <laughs> um, <coughs> one was that, uh, because I have another role as a Guardian's comedy critic, and because I'd reviewed this high-profile show called Wild Boar, which is made by three feminist performance makers, and it's exploring the role, the, the relationship between critics and artists. You know, and it does so in a really cheeky, provocative way with loads of like naked backsides and you know all manner of uh, live art antics happening on stage. So anyway, we, myself and Adrian Truscott, who's one of the artists, were invited onto the Today program to talk about it, which is obviously funny. Uh, anyway, so we did that interview on the Today program, which which was fine, but it was John Humphreys interviewing us, and it, clearly he just wanted us to have a confrontation. He just wants an argument. He's not interested in us. You certainly wouldn't begin to think that critics and artists might actually like each other. We're definitely like oppositional camps as far as he's concerned. And he wants me to say, how dare these people criticise my, my art. And so, you know, you know, and literally, and these are tiny items, they're like five mm -hmm. minutes long. And literally, as Adrian uttered the phrase, towards the end of the interview, she began to say, well, as, th as three experimental feminist performance makers, and John Humphreys literally butted in at that moment and said, I'll have to stop you there. And that was the end of the interview, as she said that phrase. So, you know, it was, it was comically awful. <laughs> you know, but, it, but it, it, you know, it reminds me that in, all, in the society we currently live in, in almost every other forum, it, you know, oppositionalism and gladiatorial conflict is foregrounded. That's what people want. Uh, the other thing I'm thinking of is that there's a kind of small but burgeoning phenomenon among stand-up comedy at the moment, which I'm noticing, which is that a lot of like really good, instinctively left-wing young male comedians uh, are, are, are deciding that in order to be funny, they have to sort of pretend to be right-wing or tell right-wing jokes. You know, there's one in particular I'm thinking of, 
his show this year is all about his his being fed up being a lefty and how the left you know I've very commonly said things about how the left is in crisis at the moment and it can't deal with Islam and identity politics has gone too far you know and this you know there's a wider perception that you know the whole like personal pronouns thing around oh, you're not allowed to say this you're not allowed to say that everyone goes you're not allowed to say anything I'm like you clearly are allowed to say all these things you don't get arrested you know what is your what, what is the nature of that fear but I think you know it comes from like this oppositional discourse and this kind of Twitter world where people feel they're going to get shouted down if they do things. You know, now you're saying that artists are the best people to deal with this. I, I certainly do hope that with a festival like this, we create a climate in which, you know, like all my interactions with with you and Milk presents because I'm a, like a middle-aged straight white guy who's, you know, who's found lots of this thinking really like you know got to work hard to, to to get my head around some of it. But in all my conversations with you guys, as I try and help myself navigate it, you've always been super generous about mm-hmm. taking away the, you, know, you don't have to worry if you say X or do Y, no one's going to beat you up about it. So, so I, you know, we think that by creating a forum in which artists talk about these things, you can take the heat out of some of these confrontations and you can invite people who, who don't yet uh, feel especially familiar with the conversation to come and learn a bit and realise that it's not a big bogeyman, that, that it's not like the thought police telling you you've got to do X, Y and Z, it's just as you say, a bunch of people navigating their own journey and wanting to do so generously. and So yeah, it feels to me that at a time of like, you know, really sharp divides and really heated uh, uh, oppositional conversations, we can, we can create a different atmosphere around those discourses. And I wonder if, um, if you had thought about legacy and, and about, obviously theatre is, famously a transient medium and it's, it's of the moment and it speaks to its current audience not necessarily to its future audience but but what's your what's your feeling about that what's your feeling about um the way that your work may resonate in the future do, do, do you sort of think that far ahead yeah, I mean, um, part of what we're doing here uh, as well is uh, part of the festival. We're taking over the foyer and doing a photography exhibition, so a photography exhibition of trans masked people who are in the show and exploring masculinity through a really positive place. Uh, and that will be decorating the theatre. So part of that is about having something concrete that if we tour the show, the exhibition will tour with the show. And whether you uh, tap into the live element you still can pass and walk past and see these amazing uh, photos that we've got and I think uh, the best thing about theatre is that it is transient uh, and but you know it's the conversations that happen after that that are the legacy. I was at a festival the other week um, in Loughborough and I was dressed as a drag king at the time doing drag security with Louis Cypher who's in the show uh, and uh, I don't even try to stand there with, like, with my arms folded, really. Uh, but uh, this person came up and was like, did you do this show in Eastleigh? And I was like, yeah, yeah, at the point. And this was like four years ago. And she said, oh, I saw your show. And since then, um, I actually left my husband in Winchester. And now I work as a drag king. And this is my partner. And they are drag king. And this happened because I saw your show and it changed my life. And... You know, I was a little bit hungover, I was kind of hazy, and I was just like, whoa, like, that's amazing. And it's actually happened, you know, I would say seven or eight times I've had people come up to me um, and say, this helped me come out, or I'm now trans now, or, uh, like, it's happened fairly regularly. People see the show, and hopefully because it is quite light touch, the way we talk about things, tap into it, and I don't know what it 
I don't know what it is, but I think that's the legacy, is uh, people connecting with the work in a very real way that we don't like aim to happen, but has just sort of um, happened. Uh, that's a really nice note to finish on, I think. Um, uh, do you want to just give us the, the dates um, of the festival, uh, give us the blurb, give us, <laughs> give us, give us the hard sell? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, the Come As You Are Festival, it runs from the 12th to the 30th of September, as does uh, the headline show, Bullish. So it's, um, uh, well, how we officially describe it is a host of gender anarchists with more questions than answers confront and solve all the world's issues regarding female, male, between and beyond. It's not going to be pretty, it says here, but it might just be beautiful. Um, yeah, so basically we've got three weeks of stuff um, headlined by Bullish, and when we say headline, that means it's got the full three-week run of r- roughly kind of four or five performances a week on a sort of, is it Tuesday or Saturday? Yeah. Okay. Oh, Wednesday to Saturday. Wednesday to yeah. Saturday. Uh, and around that we've got, it must be something in the region of 20-odd other performances, most of which are coming for just one or two nights. And then around that, we've got like some discussion events and uh, you know, uh, uh, like happenings in our foyer, and uh, you know the building kind of being given a, a makeover to reflect the themes of the festival. So yeah, we hope it's going to be an exciting time to be here, and we heartily encourage everyone to come along. Brilliant. Well, thank you very, very much, Lucy and Brian, for taking time to talk to me. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. That was Brian Logan and Lucy J. Skilbeck at the Camden People's Theatre. Before we wrap up, if you are a theatre professional and want to join the network built by theatre professionals for theatre professionals, head over to curtaincallonline.com and sign up for a free Curtain Call profile. If you're a theatre fan, you can get the same access to all of the exclusives that the professionals do by becoming a Curtain Call Insider. Head over to curtaincallonline.com and on the membership page, click Insider. You can follow us on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. The handles are all at Curtain Call. And we'd love to hear from you if you have any suggestions or feedback about the show. Get in touch via any of those social platforms or write to John, J-O-H-N, at CurtainCallOnline.com. I'd like to finish with a big thank you again to Brian and Lucy for their time and an invocation that everyone goes and sees the Come As You Are Festival at Camden Pickles Theatre in the coming few weeks. For more info, log on to cptheatre.co.uk. Thanks again for listening. See you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Udom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.